So what we're going to talk about now is how do I get to the second level of spiritual warfare? Okay, so we've conquered, we've already talked about the first. Let me tell you this again because this is going to be very important for this lesson here. You conquer the first level, principality level, against your mind with wearing a sword, making peace, putting on your shoes, and walking and praying in the Spirit, putting on your garment and praying in the Spirit. Those three things are very, very important for you to win in that first level. That's also how you win on this level. And that's the reason I had to reiterate it again. You use the same weaponry on level two that you use on level one. And let me show you how that works. Okay, so when you go into the second level, listen to what the Bible says. Acts chapter 12, verse 11. Now, what we're doing here, for those of you just joining us for the first time, we're walking through a story of the apostle Peter where he had to go through four gates starting with an inner prison then the gates to the prison, which is where we are now, then the gates to the city, and then the gates to the church. All four of these gates represent the four levels of spiritual warfare. So here we are in Acts chapter 12, verse, verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. He's given us a key right here of what the second level of warfare looks like. It is someone or some authority that is holding you captive, some information that is holding you captive that's coming from someone else, someone over, someone who's being overbearing, someone who's being accusatory, maybe someone who's lying on you, someone who's spreading a rumor about you. Let, let's just be honest. Let's make everyone in this room feel better right now. How many of you have ever had someone tell a lie about you? Let's, let's just, come on, let's make everybody feel comfortable because I think it's just about everybody. There's about two hands that didn't go down and we're going to start, didn't go up and we're going to start praying for you now because it's coming, I'm telling you. That's life. So, so, so everybody's probably had a lie told you. How many have ever had someone close to you betray you before? All right? That's nothing more painful than that. Someone that you trust betraying you. That's the most hurtful thing you can go through. And there's a lot of scriptures that deal with that. So what Satan does is when he cannot come against your mind, he uses people around you. Some of them are weak people that you love, and some of them are people that he introduces into your inner circle for a reason. He will bring them into your inner circle for a reason. And we'll, we'll see all of this in a moment. So here's the key. And Peter had come to himself he said, the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and the expectation of the Jewish people. The, the second gate is a spiritual warfare of powers. Now, powers are when the enemy uses other people who are still struggling spiritually to come against you. He's always looking for several types of people. Number one, he's looking for spiritually immature people. Now, what does a spiritually immature people look like? They like to sing, but they don't like to pray. All right, they love worship because it's fun, but they're not going to come to the altar later. They, they're the people that like the easy part, the fun part, but they're not going to press in. He's looking for people that never read their Bible, but they, they come to church because it's a social thing. 
He's looking for people that always need somebody else's prayer to get them through because they can't pray their own prayer. Uh, can I, I, I love praying for people, and I don't mind praying for people, but I get wore out sometimes praying for people that won't pray for themselves. Sometimes you need to get out your own oil, get in your own living room, wash your own feet, put the oil on your head, lay hands on yourself until victory comes at your house. You cannot hitchhike your way to heaven on other people's prayer lives. And so the enemy's always looking for people that they always need a word because they can't get a word because they're not in. The, how do I get a word? You get in the word to get a word. That's how you get a word. You're not going to get a word until you get in the word. Open your Bible, start reading it, go before the Lord in prayer, and I promise you he will give you a word. And I'm not saying that you don't need a word from other people because we all need confirmation. There are times in my life if I had not had a word from somebody else, I would have just died on the vine because I I was just in a, in a, in a rough place where, I mean, there are seasons, let's be honest, guys, there are times that, that you're so beat up you can't pray and you need the saints to pray for you then. You need somebody to lay hands upon you. And I'm okay. I love prayer lines. And, 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 and But sometimes, man, I just want to say to a few folks not here, obviously we have no one like this at OCI and we don't have anyone like this at Dr. Dupree's church. And as a matter of fact, I doubt if there's anybody like this in Tennessee. I mean, you know, let's just, let's just be honest. They're probably all in Alabama. Oh, no, we can't say Alabama, so let's go further. Anybody here from California? Okay, then we won't pick on California. Anybody from Alaska? They're all in Alaska. Okay, there we go. I finally, maybe somewhere in India there are people like this. There are people who just continue to stay in other people's business and they won't ever get down to business and pray prayers for themselves. And here's the thing. There is a place in the kingdom of God for people who need spiritual meat. I mean, spiritual spiritual milk. There are places in the kingdom of God. And I don't mind giving a baby a bottle, but I hate it when I have to part a mustache to get it in. At some point in time, we have to grow up in the Lord. At some point in time, you cannot depend upon everyone else's prayer life, and you cannot depend upon everyone else's prayer line, and you cannot depend upon everyone else's research of the Word. You cannot live on somebody else's Bible study and somebody else's fasting and somebody else's prayer life. At some point in time, you've got to put on your boots and get in line with the rest of us and find the good fight of faith. So there's a time that we all have to grow up in the Lord and we have to stand on our own two feet. And so the enemy is looking for immature people with unresolved issues. He's also looking for easily offended people. If you know of someone that's easily offended, I promise you they're causing trouble. I promise you. If they get their feelings hurt, there's two types of people that are always causing trouble. People who read into everything you say. Oh, that's what you meant. That's not what I meant. Oh, but I heard it. I know that's what you meant. People that read into everything you say and people that are always getting offended easily. 
Satan's best friends. Now, these, these are not sinner people. These are Christian people. You're going to see this because what Satan does is he tries to interweave a few goats among the sheep. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 25 that Jesus is going to come and he is going to separate the sheep from the goat. The goats he's going to put on one side and the sheep he's going to put on the other side. Can I tell you how to create a goat church? Now, this is not going to be very popular, so I hope you're going to love me after this. I think you're going to, you're mature, you're going to get it, but there's a few pastors out there that are going to hate what I'm about to say. Here's the difference in a goat church and a sheep church. The Bible says, sheep, hear my voice and follow me. You go to some churches where the pastor is a great worshiper. And that's the churches where the people are worshiping like, you go to churches where the praise team is worshiping, the choir is worshiping, if they have a choir, the pastors are worshiping. To me, that's going to be a sheep church. But when you have a goat church, you have to force them to do everything. Now, I grew up on the farm. I was actually raised in Tennessee, and I grew up on a farm, and this is what I know. Here is how you lead sheep. You walk in front of them, and they follow you. You can whisper. You can sing. You can talk. Sheep hear your voice, and they follow you. You know how you, you, know how you wrestle goats? Or not wrestle, but hustle goats? You walk behind them, and you tap them on the butt. That's how you get goats to move. You're always having to prod them. Have you ever heard of a goat prod? You're always walking. You cannot get a goat to follow anything. If you're not forcing that goat to bump and jump, he's not going to do it. And there are some churches, the only time they jump is when somebody makes them jump. And the only time they praise is when somebody's giving them a cheerleader to make them praise and somebody's fussing at them to make them praise. And here's the kind of church I don't want to preach in. I don't want to preach in the church where the pastor doesn't need to come in for praise and worship and he wants to sit in the back and watch it on TV and then sashay in with a bunch of arms bears and do his thing. I want to tell you, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I still need the presence of God when I preach. I still need the presence of God. I love worship because I need worship. I'm not worshiping because it's popular. I'm worshiping because it's a lifeline for me. I worship God because he picked me up and dusted me off when I was absolutely nothing. He set my feet on higher ground I worship him from a heart of thanksgiving. And when you're constantly having to force people, then you deal, you're dealing with a house full of immature people who cannot grow on their own, and you're always making them do everything that you want them to do. And so that if the enemy can find some goats, some people that really aren't listening and following the voice of God, but they're there. Now, how do I know? There's, a, there's another group that kind of looks like sheep, but they're not sheep. Uh, the Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. Matthew 7, 15, it talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, how do you know the difference? A wolf in sheep's clothing looks like a sheep. A wolf in sheep's clothing walks like a sheep. You cannot tell that they are a wolf until they open their mouth. They look like a sheep. They act like a sheep. They maneuver like a sheep, but when they open their mouth, they growl. And it's the fruit of their lips. The Bible says you will tell a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing by the fruit of its life. 
The Bible says in Proverbs that it's the fruit of our lips that declare who we are. So you can only tell when, there's, when this is a wolf in sheep's clothing because it mingles in and gets in and looks spiritual and looks like everybody else until they open their mouth and you realize they're just there to create trouble. They're not there to praise. They're not there to worship. They're not on the team. They're not, they don't have a, that, that team spirit. They're there to create issues. So Satan is looking for people like this in your life. Now, when, when Satan finds these people, notice what the Bible says in Revelation 12. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of heaven have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. All spiritual warfare on this level has an element of accusation in it. I just want to say thank you to all of our ministry partners who help us take the gospel around the world and train pastors and leaders around the world. Because of you, we have been able to do so much for the kingdom and expand the kingdom of God. I was able to train over 5,000 church planters just in the country of India alone. We've worked all through Africa as well as Europe. Uh, every year I go to Romania and train pastors and we've trained hundreds of pastors there in, in Romania. We've graduated over 3,000 pastors from programs, certificate programs, just in Central America. Uh, our teams and our, the young men and women that I've taken on the field with me, numerous uh, young ministers who I just want to give them experience and, and uh, help them to get their feet wet in ministry. We have gone around the world spreading the gospel and none of this is possible without you. I just want to say thank you for your continued support, whether it's a one-time donation of any size or whether it is a, a monthly donation that you've decided to partner with us uh, monthly. I just want to say thank you for that. And for those of you that are looking for ways to give to this ministry, because it is a good seed to sow in and we're doing things around the world, here's a screen that would tell you some easy ways that you can give to this ministry. But once again, I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart and from all of those lives that you are changing. It is my honor to be your ambassador to the world. When the enemy wants to discourage you, he will bring people to accuse you. That doesn't mean you did anything. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It's his way of trying to shut you down because you're already past the first gate. You've already got a sword in his side. You're already conquering him. You're already fighting against him. So now he has to get somebody else irritated and bring them with a pointed finger into your life to bring accusation against you. Let's be honest, guys. There's nothing that can light us up like somebody accusing us, right? Let's just be honest. I mean, you can have your sanctimony all down pat, and you can be so nice and loving and peaceful, but you let somebody get in your face with their finger pointed, and I tell you what, it'll make a saint rise up. It'll bring something out of you that you may not be ready to deal with because the enemy knows that if he can't push your buttons, he'll find somebody who can and bring 
bring them into your life. Okay, so how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this second level of spiritual warfare? He gives us the same principle. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let's stop there. If you take them on, you're in the wrong fight. If you front them out, you're in the wrong fight. You may think the hardest thing you ever did was have a baby. No, not you guys, but you ladies. And it probably is because, I mean, I got, we got all women in my family, and that's what they tell me, the hardest thing in the world. But I'll tell you one of the hardest things in the world you will ever do is this. Not take on your accuser when you know they're wrong. Everything inside of you wants to rear up and bust them in the chops. Everything inside of you wants to kick them all the way out the door. Everything inside of you wants to expose them. But you know how you win this level? If you take that on, that fight may last the rest of your life. How many of you have made an enemy for life by doing something like that? You don't have to raise your hand. Just nod. We all know. We've all done it. I, I wish there were so many times I could take back one little second where I hit sinned. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I just wish I had not have hit sinned. I was thinking it, and I wrote it, but if I had never have hit sinned, it would not have gone out in that text or in that email or wherever it went. But there's so many times that it was all in me, and I wrote it all out, and then I had that one split second to be proactive, and I fell. Boom, I hit it, and now I've got an enemy for life. I mean, it's a rough thing when you take on flesh and blood fight. So what do I do? I have to fight against it a different way. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of stronghold, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I have to get control over this when someone is coming against me and everything inside of me wants to punch them or fight back. I have to get control over that and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to commit this to you. I'm going to go down on my knees. I'm going to get out my Bible. I'm going to start quoting scriptures. I'm going to push back my plate. I'm going to pray in the spirit until I see God pull down that stronghold. Listen, you don't want to just embarrass them. You want to run that devil out of town and I'm not talking about that person you want to run that influence out of town by you fighting in the spirit realm not only will you be set free but you may set them free as well when you take on this battle in the spirit realm but it's a difficult thing to do but listen to what he says if you can win the first and second levels get this he says, then there's another gate that you'll walk through. Now, let me repeat this. That sounds like I'm repeating, but you got to get it. How do I win against someone accusing me? I wear a sword. I put a scripture in my mouth. I quote the scripture. I pray in the spirit, and I make peace. 
I do whatever I can do. Those three things, I keep doing it over and over and over. You may have to do it for 40 days just like Jesus did, but you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it, and I promise you, God will win that fight for you. God will bring down that stronghold in your life. God will not only help you win, he will set you free from that thought ever coming against you again. If you don't win this fight, if you don't kill that giant and dance on the grave of your enemy, he's just going to keep showing back up later and later and later. You have to fight him this year, and then you'll have to fight him next year, and you'll have to fight him the year after that. I'm tired of fighting the same old devils I thought I had killed. I'm tired of giants getting back up. I'm ready to do what David did, take a sword and cut his head off so he can't get back up again at some point in time we have to fight it in the spirit realm until we win it and when we do guess what the next level says he said that the then they passed the first and second guard posts there's our first two levels they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened of its own accord wow wait a minute what do you mean? It means that when they got to the rulers, the rulers were no match for a freed apostle. The rulers were no match. And can I tell you something? I am so, I, I, I'm, I believe in, in, in mapping. I believe in prayer mapping. I believe in prayer walking. I've done a lot of that. I still do that. I prayer walked my neighborhood just yesterday and prayed over my neighbors. I believe in doing that, but I'm not going to stand here and live in fear. But while someone tries to convince me that the devil is ruling my town and the devil is ruling my city, when greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, at some point in time, we need to declare who we are, take our stand, take the ground back, take the property back, be the proprietor again, stand on our own the might, on the might of Jesus Christ. At some point in time, we just need to get free. Because here's what I know. I know that as long as the saints are bickering, they'll never win the city. I know that as long as the saints are struggling, they're never going to win the city. I know that as long as you claim to be a victim, you're never going to conquer anything in your life. At some point in time, you've got to quit saying I'm a victim, and you've got to start saying I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. And you've got to declare your victory because when the saints get free and the church gets free, the gate to the city will open all by itself. God will give any church the city if the church can live in peace, if the church can live in, in happiness, if the church can pray, if the church can come together in unity. God will give any church that city if the saints can just get free. Our problem is not the demons in the city. Our problem is that we need to conquer our own demons. Our problem is we need to we need to walk victoriously again. We need to start quoting scriptures again. We need to start praying in the spirit again. We need to start coming together in prayer meeting again. And when the saints get unified, the gate to the city will open of its own accord. Look at this. And when they went out down one street, immediately the angel departed because the 
angel came to set Peter free. And when Peter got set free, the city was no match for a set free apostle. And the city is no match for a set free church. And the city is no match for a set free family. All you have to do is get free and God will give you the city. Hallelujah. And so I say to you that you are Peter. This is what my Bible tells me. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hell is no match for the church. Get that in your vocabulary. Hell is no match for the church. I don't care what demon has ruled this territory. He is no match for OCI. I don't care what demon has ruled your city. He is no match for the children of God. I told you a story last week that I, I didn't get to finish, so I, I'm going to just digress for just a few seconds and tell you the story. I told you the story about me walking around the church when the, when the church of Satan had come against us, the occult had come against us, and I was a young minister in my 20s, and I told you about walking and how God set me free, but I, I didn't finish the story, and I wish I had, because years later, there was a lady started coming to our church, and she said, Dr. well, I wasn't doctor anybody then, she said, Brian... She said, uh, I, I know who you are, but you don't know who I am. And I said, have we met? She said, no, we haven't met, but I know exactly who you are. You're that young preacher that we tried to run out of town. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I was a part of the church of Satan, and we came against you a few years ago and tried to run you out of St. Louis and I said, I never understood why. Our church at the time was only running 50 or 60 people. It wasn't the mega church. It was just a tiny little struggling church. I said, why were you trying to run us out of town? Why not pick on a big church? She said, because the church of Satan wanted to move from San Francisco to St. Louis, Missouri, but they cannot operate within five miles of a church that prays in tongues. And we we're not attacking the churches that do not pray in tongues. We were only attacking five ministers because you were praying in the Spirit. And because you kept praying in the Spirit, we could not move here. And they had to go back to San Francisco. And I'm happy to report to you that there is no church of Satan in St. Louis. It's still in San Francisco because five little Holy Ghost-filled preachers and their congregations prayed in the Spirit. The gates to the city open by itself when the church gets free oh hallelujah I just felt something just right now touch my spirit I believe some pastor that's watching this online right now God just gave you a key to something right now I'm just declaring freedom over your house I'm declaring freedom over your city I'm declaring freedom over your mind right now I break that fetter of your mind you are free from this moment on in Jesus name. Don't say it again. Don't declare it again. You declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Give God praise in this house tonight. <laughs>